At photographycourse.net, you'll be able to swap your expertise with other photographers, make light instead of wishing for it, expand your portfolio, and receive feedback from professionals, all of which will develop your artistic eye. Photographycourse.net offers an abundance of premium courses and challenges for participants at every stage of their journey, from technical settings for portrait photography, to landscape composition tricks, to how to start your own photography business, we have everything you need to start shooting confidently. You can work at a pace that suits you. Our 52-week project challenge will provide you with the educational resources, encouragement, and support that you need to take great photographs every week. You can join us at any time as our themes are evergreen. You can also start by shooting every day and learning something new with our 365 Days of Photography course. Led by an industry expert who has mentored over 10,000 students, this course will help you take your photography skills to the next level with daily, bite-sized videos. Throughout the process of learning, you'll have access to a community that will provide you with inspiration and motivation. Get encouragement from other photographers every single day. Our current limited time offer comes with a special discount code exclusive to the listeners of this podcast. Get 50% off your first year as a premium member. Claim this discount by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST. Come join photographycourse.net and capture more than just a moment. Have you ever been interested in taking meaningful and eye-catching self-portraits? If so, our self-portrait photography indoors on a budget course is perfect for you. I'm actually the instructor and I'll be teaching you how to take really beautiful photographs of yourself indoors without investing in any other equipment. These lessons are all about making the most of what you have, experienced or not, and telling an authentic story. There are 30 video lessons that include quizzes, a community of photographers, random surprises, and much more. This is an incredible opportunity for you to improve your self-portrait photography skills and to impress everyone around you. I have a very special discount code just for our podcast listeners. We're offering a 50% discount code just for you. Use this code to claim your discount, Portrait50. Hello everyone, my name is Taya and I'm the host of Great Big Photography World podcast, where we interview notable photographers in the industry, give advice on a wide variety of topics, and provide tips for beginners and professionals alike. In this episode, I talk to Devin Steele the art director of 500px. Devin knows a lot about stock photography and commercial photography, so this episode is perfect for you if you're interested in either of these genres. Please enjoy. Hey Devin, welcome to the podcast. I'm so thrilled to have you here. Please introduce yourself to the listeners. Thank you, Ty. My name is Devin Steele. I'm from Toronto, Canada, and I'm an art director for the content team at 500px. And for those who don't know, 500px is a social platform for photographers. Previously, I've worked mainly in TV and film. I've worked on shows like Mrs. America, Rain's Tale, American Gods, and usually as a set dresser or a props person. And only over the past two years did I transition into working uh, with 500px. And I guess my specialty uh, is more in like production design and art direction. And so whether working in TV or working with photographers at 500px, I think that kind of skill has come in handy with, uh, with photography and directing photographers on what kind of content to shoot. That's incredible. So for one second, I want to focus on your background in, in TV. You said you worked on the set of American Gods? 
just um like not for the entire run just for like a few episodes but yes yeah and as a as a um a props person a props person that's so incredible i'm a huge fan of neil gaiman so to hear this is making me fangirl majorly <laughs> yeah i've always been so interested in media in tv and film and photography and in music but to a lesser extent um and so I've always, like, as a goal, even when I was younger, I really just wanted to work in film and TV. And so definitely just worked towards that pretty much forever. And it was, like, a huge honor to be able to work on, like, amazing shows like that. Like, American Gods is really, it's it's a really visually interesting show. Mm-hmm. And even ha- Handmaiden's Tale also. Yeah, it's great. I love, like, anything that's, you know, visually interesting. A lot of them have, um, you know, unique aesthetics and... Some of, the, some of the stuff I've worked on is like period pieces. And I like that where it's like you're, you're entirely crafting like the world with like uh, the set dressing and the design and stuff. So as a props person, you had to actually build everything from scratch or what was that? Um, so like because it's such a big team, um, I wasn't that person. I was more managing um, the like things that would be handled like on the specific days I was working um, on the set. So anything that would be handled by an actor and uh, like specifically, I remember um, cause this is a few years ago at this point working and it was a med like I specifically remember working with a medical scene. So it's like, I was managing all like, the medical equipment that the doctors would be using. It's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's so interesting. And what was the transition like? So you worked as a props person and then you started working for 500 PX and the industries are, similar of course but they're also very different what was that like? yeah they're certainly different um because with the film industry uh you kind of only work for like periods of time and the industry kind of dies down in the winter it's a it is a big industry here but it's very competitive so it is um kind of a process of always kind of hustling and trying to get on to that next show when my most recent show that i worked on which was mrs america uh, ended, it was, um, I had a few months off and I, it's very hard to find work in the winter. So it was winter and it was the beginning of 2020. And someone who I know and I've known for years working at 5MPX had reached out and said, you know, if I was looking for just like a simple contract reviewing photos that photographers were submitting, it would be kind of a breezy job that I could work from home through my winter. And then I would kind of get back into the film industry. But then working with the 500PX team, you know, I got to know them. I got to uh, see what they were doing and get a better sense for the the company. And I think a month or two later, they offered me a position to kind of come on more full time. And it was a tough call because this was like February of 2020. So and COVID was in the news, but not... Uh, you know, in my life, it wasn't really affecting anything. And it was kind of a point where I was deciding, do I want to take this position with this company, which is, you know, much more stable and reliable of position and work and uh, than I get from the film industry, but it would be kind of going in a different direction. And I kind of weighed my options and decided, you know, I wanted that kind of stability or at least the opportunity and challenge to do something different that I hadn't been doing for a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took that and I think two weeks later is when COVID really hit and everything shut down. So then I was so thankful to have my position, uh, with 500PX because I think the film industry pretty much halted for like at least eight months at that point. 
So I would have been unemployed for a year. But, you know, it's kind of a blessing because through that position, I've kind of moved from being a photo editor with Avner PX to being the art director of content. And it's been incredibly rewarding and a great experience where I've worked with like so many great people. Yeah, and you made the right choice, right? Because if you had chosen to not continue working with 500px, then you would have been unemployed for a year, as you said. So, yeah, and and I think even coming back to the film industry after things opened up, because I do know a lot of people still doing that, it's as competitive as it was in 2019 or previously. It's harder even now because so many people were out of work for so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine how hectic it is. And you mentioned that you started out as a photo editor for 500px, right? And now you're the mm-hmm. art director. So you've had so many interesting roles already at 500px. What do you like the most about your job? What I love the most is definitely uh, working with such a diverse set of photographers from around the globe. You know, like working in the film industry previously, it's like you're always working with very localized people. And then this is a position where now suddenly I'm here in Toronto, but I'm working with people in Vietnam. I'm working with people in the Ukraine. I'm working with people in Brazil. And it's amazing because I can work with all of these different people around the globe, provide them with similar projects or like concepts to like shoot with their work. And they'll come back with, you know, dramatically different stuff because it's just like the visual landscape of all these different places is so different. And then all these photographers are so different in who they are and age and everything. So you're just always working with such a diverse group of people. And it's just, um, I feel like it's very much broadened, uh, you know, just what I'm seeing every day. And it, it, more than anything, it makes me want to travel. But yeah, it's uh, definitely the best part is working with, uh, you know, all sorts of people. And the 500px has a great grants program where we kind of promote more inclusive and better representative like concepts like diversity or positive depictions of mental health or positive like lgbtq depictions for commercial photography and i also just feel like initiatives like that are so important so i'm always so thankful to be able to participate in things like that yeah i can imagine that it's really inspiring for you and speaking of communicating with people from different countries you often interview people for the 500px blog and I've had the honor of being interviewed by you as well. And you ask very thoughtful and creative questions. And I'm wondering what inspires you the most when you look at other people's photographs and when you interview them? What I love, like, so what, what inspires me the most uh, when I see other people's photos is kind of trying to like detective or like figure out um, exactly what like I'm thinking inspired them in that photo. So often I'm looking for whether like I'm picking up on references to like classical art or uh, media, like even contemporary media. Like I know a lot of people are inspired by film or television. And, um, you know, sometimes like I will even ask them like in the interview, uh, hey, I found this photo. Is it inspired by this classical painting or this style of art? And sometimes it's not. But what I actually find really interesting, I guess, about even when it's not inspired is how art over time can always be kind of like connecting and drawing on the same themes. Or maybe it's just a, like, you know, the way you feel looking at the art, the things that you're connecting with, you're, you're kind of filling in these blanks. And whether it's art from 100 years ago or photos that someone submitted to 500px today, 
there, there is commonalities uh, between them and you kind of pick up on themes that just feel like very human, regardless of time or context. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I understand that. I think that's the beautiful thing about art where you see patterns over time and you see people getting inspiration from artists in the past, even in different mediums. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's really cool because then you get to see, I mean, how many photos do you see per day? Thousands of pictures every day? I mean, I can't imagine Sometimes. how... Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine how inspiring that must be for you, and also overwhelming to a certain degree, I guess. But yeah, 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 you can certainly get some kind of burnout from reviewing like so many photos at once. But then, when you see some, like sometimes you just you come across a really good shoot, and it's like refreshing. It's you're completely taken back by it, and you realize like you're kind of like you're re-inspired at that point in the day. You're like oh like this makes it all worth it like this one shoot because you you see so many photos and working with stock content it um you know it can be a lot of just nature or birds and stuff and so anytime where it's people and it's like lifestyle and like creative and conceptual i love that yeah and you mentioned stock photography which has been popular for so many years my founder px has an entire marketplace dedicated to it if someone wants to get into stock photography what three things should they keep in mind? So I think um, the three things to keep in mind with getting into stock photography, um, I think one of the most important things is patience. I think licensing your photos in general, it, it should kind of be seen as like a long-term investment. You know, one of your photos like can sell for a lot and you can make a lot off of one sale. But I think it's more likely that like, you know, many of your photos will sell for a smaller amount, but they'll sell again and again. And so those smaller amounts add up over time. And it just, uh, you know, like you have to be patient because you're going to have to keep putting more photos out there uh, to be licensed. And because of the way that trends change, like constantly, you kind of have to just like, you know, keep producing and producing and producing. And then when one thing sells, it can make all the difference. And so the second thing, even though I kind of just touched on it, would be keeping up on trends. So understanding like what's trending. I think it's really important with licensing to be shooting ahead of the calendar. Um, in North America, Halloween is in the end of October and it's a big celebration. So um, there's a lot of advertising around that, but you don't want to be uploading that kind of content in October. You want to be uploading it now, essentially months ahead of time, because that's when buyers are looking to find the content they're going to use for their campaigns. And trends change quickly, so it's essential to keep up to date with that. And then the third most important thing, and I think this is what will like, like elevates a lot of photography, like stock photography above the stuff that doesn't sell is inclusion and representation. And it's because I think in general, like stock traditionally kind of has a bad name. It's seen as stale. And historically, I think that it, uh, is representative of a lot of stereotypes, especially when you look at, um, like business stock or family stuff. Like often people are put into very gendered stereotypes or, you know, businessmen are often white people or seniors, for example. Um, seniors are almost always or traditionally in stock depicted in um, like medical situations when in reality it's like seniors have a huge buying power. They have a lot of disposable income. They live enriched lives with like, their own relationships, they have jobs, they have passions and hobbies, they do stuff. It's more than just, you know, being in a, in a wheelchair at a doctor's office. And yeah. so I think that 
being inclusive and like shooting um, the kind of stock content that uh, it has diverse models, but shows them in like very genuine, realistic and authentic ways. It just it elevates your content above the other stuff. That's all really good advice. Thank you for sharing it. And I completely agree with the point you made about trends because I never thought mm-hmm. about planning in advance for them. And it makes a lot yeah. of sense, right? Because then, as you said, buyers are looking for those specific themes like Halloween photos months before mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because campaigns, like advertising campaigns, they're budgeted and planned like quite in advance. Like I think even now would be a good time to start submitting Christmassy stuff, even though it's like it's difficult to do that if like, you know, right now where I am, it's September and it's hot. But there's still like you can set up the tree inside and film some scenes and yeah. Yeah, I mean it would be fun to do that in September, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And really like when you do that and say you have kids, like I think kids would have a lot of fun with that, even though it's like summer, but it's like even having kids like in your in your Christmas content, like things like that uh, will also like greatly elevate the potential for your photos to sell. Um, like even just having a model in general, but having kids is like uh, content buyers like that kind of stuff because it's harder to get like genuine uh, instances of kids. And it is like uh, people who are like the ages, the same age as the photographer and the photographers taking photos of themselves or friends. Definitely having people like seniors or children, it's a bit more difficult. So it definitely seems, uh, it's definitely, I don't know how to put this, more lucrative, not lucrative, um, more in demand within the commercial industry. Mm, okay that's good to know and with trends of course there are you know as you said halloween and christmas but there are some temporary trends that come out of nowhere sometimes how can mm-hmm. photographers keep up with them like where do you figure out what the current trends are i think like it's a lot of like what you're seeing when you are like consuming media so if even if you're on instagram it's like what like if you're analyzing kind of the general consensus of the content that you're seeing and like how are photos being shot now? Like I've known, you know, in the past uh, with stock photography, it's thought that like you don't want to be shooting portrait style. You don't want to be shooting vertical because horizontal provides you a better crop that you can like, you know, if you want, if you want that portrait, you can crop it. But now I think that portraits like very valuable because of social media. So many ads are on your phone and that's the, the format that's going to be so it's essential to kind of like shoot both and yeah like in terms of like keeping up with trends a great resource that we provide is uh the 500px blog which i think every week there's a new kind of article that comes out that focuses on a trend or advice on licensing and then also uh a great resource that i also look into a lot is getty images has a creative insights blog and they tend to focus on things like like sustainability, wellness, diversity, and realness. So kind of hitting on that authenticity uh, concept that I was mentioning. And you know, they just uh, they put out great articles that you know they'll they'll focus on things like how are women represented in healthcare? What is like the the visual style of mental health in like Japan or something? It's just it's very interesting and it approaches. You know, it, it presents me with ideas that I wouldn't necessarily be aware of. And, you know, 
even though like something like men's mental health in Japan is like an article that's presenting an idea that's specific to Japan, concepts behind that are applicable to like almost everywhere. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for pointing that out. I mean, reading blog posts related to trends is very helpful and it's great that 500px provides this because then there's one spot where you can easily find out about all of these trends and not have to Mm -hmm. aggressively search on google (laughs) because i i mean before i asked you this question i had no idea how i would find out about these trends Mm -hmm. because it's just yeah sometimes it seems a bit overwhelming like instagram where would i start where would i even begin but if there's a, a blog where you can find about all find out about all of that then of course makes your job much easier. Photographycourse.net is a place where you can find an abundance of photography inspiration in different forms like premium courses, articles, video tutorials, editing resources, and much more. We have a thriving community where you can meet new people, receive constructive criticism, and discover new ideas every single day. Here is a message from one of our top community members, Robert Morton. Hi, my name is Rob. I specialize in wildlife photography and landscape photography. I'm a member of photographycourse.net online community. I like the community because you get some fantastic ideas and some great feedback. So take your photography to the next level by clicking the link in the description. That's what I did and I haven't looked back. If you want to join our online community, go to photographycourse.net and enter the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member. And I also think that, like, I know a lot of people use ad blockers to avoid ads when they're online or, uh, like, things like that. But I think it's really important, um, especially if you're doing licensing content or working in the industry, to watch the ads. So, like, I do watch ads, especially on YouTube. Because then you start to notice what it, what what are trends that you're seeing with ads like today versus like ads months ago. Like what are ads trying to say? And we've seen a lot of change with like messaging and the way that uh, imagery is presented over the past year because there's been so many changes with uh, like masks and things like that. So yeah, it's like if you're seeing stuff in the media and you're, you're noticing it or it's standing out to you at all, it, it's like that is also likely a trend. It's a sign of like, this is how things are being presented and kind of uh, sold to public right now. Our 365 Days of Photography course is an amazing opportunity for you to grow as a photographer. My teammate, Kevin LJ, has produced this course in a step-by-step format, which is very easy to follow. The course is presented in bite-sized lessons, each with a practical challenge. You'll learn and practice a new aspect of photography every single day. Each lesson is around five minutes long, and you can spend as much time on the challenges as you like. There's also a friendly forum where you can share the photos you take and get constructive feedback from others in the course. Kevin's professional photography experience is extensive. He covers not only photography essentials, but also many genres of photography throughout the course. You will learn far more about photography than simply how to use your camera. For our listeners, we're offering a very special discounted price of $199. The final price will soon be $365, so make sure to take advantage of this great deal today. Right, yeah, that makes sense. But ads are different in every country. Like, where I am right now, I get the most mm-hmm. boring ads, like for chewing gum, over and over again. I don't get anything creative. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> but I do like watching foreign ads on YouTube. Because you're right, they definitely 
give me a good idea of what's going on at the moment, what's important to companies, what's not important to them. So yeah, that's mm-hmm. a, another good idea. And what going is- off of that, oh sorry, and going no, off of that, okay. I do think it's important that um, like looking at ads in other locations because while something may not be a trend here, you can shoot stuff here that is popular for how things are marketed elsewhere. So I know that like the visual style of like European ads or Asian ads are very different than American ads, even just in terms of like what's um, like acceptable in terms of like comedy or, you know, but it's important to kind of be aware of that because an American photographer can shoot content that works for Asian markets or European markets and vice versa. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It's good to be aware, as as I mentioned, and as you said, of, uh, you know, different cultures, different ads in different cultures, because that can help you improve as a photographer as well, right? Finding out about Mm -hmm. other styles. That's uh, very helpful in general, I think. What is a common mistake that photographers make when submitting stock photos? So I think that the most common mistake when submitting their photos to licensing is just not being aware of the necessary documents that would be required to license a photo. Mm -hmm. So we get a lot of photos of people, um, you know, while traveling and they're taking a photo of their partner or their travel companion or whatever, but there'll be a lot of people in the background. And I'll have to say, you know, I need a model release for the subject, but really if any of the people are, you know, visible in the background, if they're blurred and you can't identify them, it's fine. But if they're, you know, if it's clear and they can identify themselves through their clothing or context uh, of the location, they need a model release. And likewise with, um, if you're shooting in a location and it's like a rented building or something you don't own and, um, you know, the, the architecture or the design of the space is like obvious to the person who owns it, they can make a claim against that photo if you don't have permission. So property releases are really important. And I think that like, because this paperwork is kind of like the less glamorous side of the photographer's work, it often gets overlooked. Mm-hmm. Um, and it like, it's important though, because when someone's licensing your photo, they want assurance that you have all the permissions to do so. You don't want, you know, a model from the photo coming after, you know, an advertiser, an ad campaign or a company being like, I didn't give you permission to use my photo or my image. Exactly. And when it comes to property releases, how do you go about getting one? Like if someone is interested in doing that? So there is like, if if you were shooting in your own home, you can fill out a property release. If you were shooting in like an apartment that you're renting, like if you're the tenant, you can fill out your own property release. Like you have permission to shoot there. It's your space. If you were shooting in a place like a building, like a contemporary building with like obvious architecture, you can get permission on the property release from like a building manager a um like the owner of the building if you have access to that i have some photographers that are are able to shoot in a resort in uh thailand and i guess they just know the person who owns the resort so they're able to get that permission on a property release it can be kind of difficult there are situations where you could shoot in these spaces and you wouldn't need one like if the photo was tight enough uh to the model that like the property and space around them isn't obvious or if it was like a shallow depth of field so it's not in focus um that also wouldn't require a property release it's like it's very iffy and it can be confusing but essential for um for licensing just as like a legal standpoint right yeah it's really important to know when to use releases and when to not use them i remember i am 
I work for a stock photography company. And for the first three or four years while working for them, I didn't know anything about model releases. I didn't think they applied to me because I mostly take self-portraits. And so I would upload and upload and upload pictures, hoping that one of them would end up on a book cover or something. I kept wondering why nobody was buying my work. And then I started to uh, create model releases for my images. And then people started to pay attention to my work. And I was like, wow, I had no idea that I needed to do this one thing that would make a big difference. Mm -hmm. And going off of that, um, with these, like with sites where you can license content, usually content buyers can search um, specifically for content that has like a release attached. Because, like, having a subject in your photo immediately makes it, like, a way more valuable photo, even if it's just, like, a hand reaching in. And it's because it provides a human aspect. It, like, uh, if there's, like, a full person and it, it makes it relatable, it creates someone for the viewer to kind of themselves into that situation and relate with. They will specifically search for released content. So, yeah, just even, like, having a release even you know you don't need a release it's just like a hand reaching into the frame but if you do have a release for that model and attach it it actually makes that photo like more likely to be found in the instances when someone is like actually looking for one of the model oh i had no idea okay that's good to know actually i submitted a few pictures of hands to the 500 pics marketplace <laughs> certainly as you know and i did not attach model releases those but that's really good to know because i always thought I'm never really sure with model releases. I mean, if it's a face, obviously you need a model release. What if it's mm-hmm. a part of the face? What if it's just a hand? So you basically answered that question for me. If, if it was a part of the face, I think you would need it because you would be able to like identify it. Um, yeah. But yeah, if it's a hand, you, you don't actually need it. Yeah. Okay. But, I, but these things change because I know that 10 years ago, there's a lot of instances where you would not have needed a property release or a model release. And I think they more change in response to like, you know, if the company gets sued and then after that, they're like, well, now we require absolutely everything to have like a completed release because they, they want to avoid that. And yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you think these requirements will get stricter with time or? Um, I think so. Or I think they will start to implement ways of following up on these releases because currently you know it's there's just a certain level of trust where you know a photographer submits a release and um like i don't know if it's that person but i accept that it is there's been times where working we discovered that you know a photographer was putting a, a single release on multiple photos of different people and in those instances we have to like talk to them and have them understand they can't do that or reprimand them if they do, because we can't be, you know, uploading photos that seemingly have permission, but then ultimately don't. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I understand why that is problematic. And you can't keep up with each model, obviously, because that would take up so much time. So yeah, that's interesting to know. And you're a photographer yourself. You have a portfolio on 500px. How has working with so many photographers on a daily basis affected the way that you take pictures? So I think that working with photographers as much as I do um, has kind of been inspiring. It's definitely like previously working in TV and film. It's a very uh, like time consuming career. You don't get a ton of time in your pastime to, to get out and shoot. 
Whereas now it's like I'm seeing photos all the time, especially of like diverse styles and concepts. And it's inspiring. It definitely it makes me more critical and deeply consider, you know, what makes a photo work versus not work. And now that I have a career and it's all about that, and I'm working with photographers and seeing their photos, it inspi- it definitely inspires me in my own time to get behind the camera. Even just um you know, when I'm working with photographers and I'm seeing them making, uh, you know, like common mistakes or errors or, you know, something I want to direct them to not do, it like makes me consider like I should just shoot a shoot that is, the, you know, an example of exactly what I'm trying to, to say to them. And then that way they can kind of see it as a, you know, a visual example of like what is the best way to approach something. And so being getting behind the camera, it's it's been fun. It inspires me to kind of like want to produce more of the kind of content that I want to see, you know, driving and changing the industry. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine that it's very inspiring for you. Have you submitted your own photos to the 500px marketplace? Um, I've submitted a few. I should be shooting more. Uh, I'm self-conscious about my photography. I don't think I'm the most skilled photographer, especially when working with so many like, highly skilled photographers like like yourself. And, um, so I do get kind of anxious about, uh, my photos and I do it for fun more than anything, but, uh, there are some that I have like some digital licensing. I think they've mostly been kind of, uh, generic, uh, like plant leaves against like a white background type, uh, stocky stuff. Honestly, those photos are the best kind of photos. I love white backgrounds. I love simple backgrounds. So I think they're really suitable for stock photography, especially in, you said mm-hmm. that you're self-conscious about your work. Do you think that has to do anything with the fact that you do see so many pictures on a daily basis? Do you ever feel like you compare yourself to other photographers? Oh, absolutely. I absolutely, uh, like, I think it makes me self, it's both inspiring, like, it makes me want to shoot more. But it's mm-hmm. also intimidating because some of the people that I work with are shooting, like, such outstanding content. Mm-hmm. I do see a lot of, like... Um, stuff on the site that's like totally in line with my skill level though so it's like i do know that i'm not alone with where i'm at but um it's definitely intimidating when you know i'm working with people that are so so great at capturing like authentic and natural performances from their models and just uh like especially working with people all over the globe where they have you know studying and to me exotic settings that they're able to shoot in yeah, I understand that. And just so you know, I also feel really self-conscious when I take photographs, even though I've been taking pictures for a long time. And that also has to do with the fact that I see so many pictures on a daily basis and I talk to so many photographers. So I think this affects everybody. I think most photographers are self-conscious and it's probably a normal feeling. It's just something we have to mm-hmm. overcome and we have to remember that we can always improve our skills. We can always become better photographers. and yeah. yeah, it's very difficult to not compare yourself to other people, but yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I think people refer to it kind of as like the imposter syndrome, where it's like, even though we, we work in like in this industry, we are definitely skilled more than like the average person who doesn't work in the industry with knowledge and ability. But you just, you see so many other talented people that it's hard not to be like, am I really as good as them? Am I really, you know? So even though you kind of doubt yourself, even though like you are talented right yeah am i allowed to call myself a photographer at this point or mm-hmm. no? <laughs> and, and i think that's something that really 
transcends photography. It's like, I see that in musicians I know in other like creative industries for sure. Like everyone feels, a lot of people feel insecure about their position and that, you know, am I just faking it? And it's like, hey, if you've been faking it for like 15 years and produced all this great stuff, I don't think you're faking it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I mean, it's a sad thing, especially because we are so present in social media. So it definitely intensifies that feeling. But at the same time, it's good to know that most people feel this way because then it's not like you're some weirdo for feeling Mm -hmm. like you're, you know, in the wrong place um, or that your skills aren't good enough. It's, it's (laughs) universal feeling. And I don't think there's any country in the world where this isn't a feeling or, you know, most people that I know have experienced this at some point. So it's, uh, it's good to know. Um, And hopefully the listeners can relate to this and remember that, their skills are valid and, and their talents are valid and yeah <laughs> this has become yeah, and a like speech <laughs> and really like I, I mean not to just like again go into like a motivational comment but yeah it's like it's totally valid and even though you may look and see other people that are shooting similar stuff to you and you may say this is better than mine why even upload my stuff everyone has their own unique perspective there are definitely things like even two people from the same location shooting the same kind of stuff. What each person brings to it is unique because they all have their own, you know, history experiences like that are informing everything they do. Um, so it's interesting to see, you know, that like I always think there's personality, like aspects of the photographer's personality coming through in their content, even if it's you know commercial content, stock content. There's just there's you can especially when you get to know the photographer, you can see it when you're comparing photographer to photographer right exactly yeah that's the beautiful thing about it and you made a good point about you know maybe the same photographers or two photographers shooting in the same place for example for sure their images would turn out different like it's impossible i think to take exactly mm-hmm. the kind of photographs uh, in exactly they just, the same place they just wouldn't think to you know it's like Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's the beautiful thing, as you said. Yeah. If you think about it from that perspective, then it makes the whole photography journey much more, much less intimidating. Because then it's like, whatever you create is unique and it's, it's beautiful. It's something that you need to be doing because that is your original perspective and it needs to be valued. Mm -hmm. I agree. Okay, Devin, my last question for you is what is the one thing you'd like to achieve in this great big photography world? Well, more than anything, I think I'd like to meet the great photographers that I've been working with in person. Um, <laughs> as things change, I'm hopeful that like travel would become more accessible again. Working with photographers around the globe and seeing photos every day, you know, I, I can't help but experience, you know, wanderlust and wanting to travel to like these awesome locations. So I think more than anything, I'd want to do kind of like a photo travel trip through Europe, Asia and you know, seeing all the great places that I've been seeing over the past year and a half in these photos, and then potentially meeting in person the the people that I've been working with and the people I've been making connections with, who have only ever been able to uh, communicate with online. Yeah, that would be amazing. And I hope that you can do this soon. I hope that you and I can meet as well. And then we can take yeah, some be great. Yeah, we can take cool stock photos together. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll change the industry. It'd be nice to meet your cat too. Uh, um but yeah just um traveling and meeting uh the great photographers 
And there's just certain locations that I've seen in photos that every time I see them, I'm like taken back. And I just, you know, I want to go there. I want I want to take my own photo there. Yeah, I can relate to that. Sometimes I see pictures uh, on 500px, on Flickr's, different websites, mm-hmm. Instagram, and I'm like, I wish I had a portal so that I could just instantly appear Gosh. in location and just take a ton of photos and then go back home. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah, because like the actual flight and travel, that's the worst part. But, um, it, exactly. you know, sometimes you look at photos and it's like, this looks like an alien world. Like this doesn't even look like Earth. Like right. it looks, it just, yeah, I just want to, I want to know what this is like in person. Yeah, I mean, every country, every town has its own smell, right? And so that's something mm-hmm. I'm always very curious about. I know it's a strange thing to say, but it's just no, something I experienced. And it's just, even that alone, I think, would be inspiring, you know? Um, the way that things uh, look, you know, the culture, the colors, and then the, the smells and the sounds. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this has become a travel podcast, not a photography podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry. But yeah, yeah. that's like... I think that after a year of uh, sheltering in place that it, you can't help but kind of be itching for broader horizons. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I hope things improve soon so we can all travel freely. But Devin, thank you so much for your time. I had so much fun talking to you and finding out about your uh, role as an art director at 500px. And I hope that the listeners have learned a lot about your job and the art of stock photography. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, it's been great. It's been great to be able to put a voice to the name and face. And it's been a great conversation. And I'm so thankful for you to have me on. Thank you, too. Great Big Photography World wouldn't be what it is without our incredible listeners. We're grateful for the time you take to listen to other photographers' stories and share your feedback with us. If you'd like to help us keep this podcast running smoothly, you can become a member on our website. In return for your help, we'll provide you with all kinds of exciting perks. Go to greatbigphotographyworld.com. There's a link to it in the show notes. I had fun talking to Devin about stock photography and the different ways in which people can take great stock photographs. It's very encouraging to know that companies nowadays are more interested in seeing diversity and authenticity in stock photography. I hope that our interview gave you some helpful ideas. See you next week. There's a simple reason why PhotographyCourse.net is the highest rated photography community in the world. It's because the people who use it made it that way. Why not join us right now? Improve your skills, get exposure, and discover an exciting new world of photography. While you're at it, claim your special discount code by going to PhotographyCourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member.